So, Danielle, you're one of our rare guests that was born and raised in Kelowna, but you left for 10 years and came back uh, about a year and a half ago? About a year ago, yeah. About a year ago. So, tell us a little bit what it was like growing up in Kelowna. It was amazing. It was, um, I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity to know what it was like because I left, but growing up with the mountains and mm. skiing and snowboarding in the winter, having the boat and the lake in the summer, it just doesn't compare to anything anywhere really. Right. And the hiking and the waterfalls, it's just a nice life. Mm-hmm. Has it changed a bunch? I know it has, but <laughs> I'm curious about your experience, like how much it's changed. It's changed a lot. I mean, the traffic's always been bad, but the housing and the buildings that are going up and the restaurants that are here now, it's a thriving city here. Right. It's not like this little bumpkin, like, retirement resort town anymore. Right. Yeah. I can hear uh, construction going on outside, in fact, so I'm going to just shut this. It's a busy neighborhood. Yeah. Reno's happening. Lots of rentals. Right. So tell us, Danielle, a little bit about what you do here, mindset mentor. What yes. is that? So I coach people on their mindset. I help them understand the blocks that they've created mm-hmm. through the experiences in their lives. And I help them change their dialogue to basically support all their goals and dreams rather than being an, a negative dialogue. Mm-hmm. Have you been a coach for a long time? I've been a coach officially for about nine months, but I've always been coaching people. Mm. When I first left here, actually, I was really heavily involved in the leadership program at KSS. Nice. And that really got me going. So right before I moved here, I was had this website called uh, Motivational Things by a Little Girl with a Big Smile. And I was kind of on my way of coaching people in terms of motivating them. Right. But then everyone was like, the internet's not a thing. And <laughs> it was a thing. So here I am now full circle doing it again. Nice. So tell us about some of your clients. Like what are you trying to achieve? I work with really awesome clients. I'm super grateful. I work with entrepreneurs who are basically trying to get to the next level. They've had success in their business and they're wanting to really leave a legacy, but their fears and their limiting stories are holding them back. Right. So I work with people who are really going after some big things that are making big impact. Nice. Yeah. So how does it work? Tell us like typical process for a client and you. So it's 12 weeks long. Um, I find around the six week mark, people start to get break out of their shell a little bit more. Let Mm. me in, let their fears really come up inside of them so that we can address them. And then we find out where the root of it came from. It was when they were younger or an outside influence told them something Mm -hmm. and it's been concrete in them since. And we just work through it. We see like the, the truth of it, why they're lying to themselves, why they're holding themselves back from whatever it is they want to do. Mm-hmm. Is there something in your past or your childhood that made you want to be a coach? Yeah. You know, like the kid that was giving advice to your friends when you were yeah. in grade school? Yeah. Part of, me, part of me truly believes that this is like my purpose here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I've always been that individual. But yeah. I have had life experiences that have amplified that. Mm-hmm. When I was 15, I wanted, I thought I wanted to take my life. And so that was my fir- first mm. experience in understanding how powerful our thoughts are in our mind. I actually ended up in the psych ward for five days here. And it really offered me an opportunity young age to be like, there's something else going on here in terms of thoughts and how they control us. Right. I'm wondering um, if you could talk a little bit about that Mm -hmm. because I know it's a very sensitive topic for a lot of people, but um, especially young people, they feel like they can't, uh, no one really understands what's going on inside your head type of thing. How did you avoid that terrible fate? Like, did someone 
find you in the act or um I confronted a teacher at school. Um, My parents had just been going through a divorce and I, from the outside, I looked like I was fine, but Mm -hmm. on the inside I was hurting a lot. And there was a teacher that noticed something and asked, and I was completely vulnerable and I said something and within an hour or two, my mom was picking me up from school and I was being checked into the hospital. How did your parents react to that? Um, I mean, I think at the beginning it was like, this can't be true. My, my kid can't be going through this. Like she's lying. And so it was a lot of like, are you sure that, that you're serious? And, and I was like, no, like, yeah, like I really don't feel like I have anything to live for anymore. And she was like, if that's the case, I'm taking you to the hospital. And unfortunately she didn't have all of the support of my family, but mm-hmm. she is strong and bold and she did it and yeah. put me in there and, and wouldn't leave unless they took me in. Right. Yeah. So this helped. Yeah. Um, Tell us about the process. Like, how do you get from kind of a suicidal mind frame to optimistic and not having those thoughts, or at least not so often? Yeah, the thoughts are always there. I think that's something I would like to put out there is that they're not, they don't go away. It's Mm -hmm. just that you have tools and developed habits on how to manage that, those Mm -hmm. episodes in your life. It doesn't ever go away. I, I ended up at KSS was probably was the best thing for me because mm-hmm. I got involved in a new group of friends that was really amazing. I had new teachers, so it was new life for me. And what I identified through that journey was I was lacking self-love and, and self-understanding, which is why I ended up thinking I wanted to end my life. Yeah. So when I was put in a position where I had new, 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 it sparked this new thing for me. But as soon as I left... I really dove into personal development and really understanding where that came from, from when I was basically 18 years old onwards. Right. Is there um, a moment that you can remember where you said to yourself, you're going to make it like you, you're actually very happy to be alive and, or was it more of a gradual thing? It was a gradual thing. Like the thoughts kept coming up whenever life would throw me challenges because Mm -hmm. I also chose to drop out of college at a time where that wasn't a thing Mm -hmm. and met with a lot of rejection so again those thoughts came up in those moments that I wasn't good enough when I was told I couldn't have jobs unless I had a degree um so it was a it was for sure a gradual thing but I mean even still on this entrepreneur journey like I said the thoughts don't go away they're they're always there so then you have to find out why they're there where are you lacking in this current time Mm -hmm. what uh, would you say to someone who's younger or older uh, who's having depressive thoughts that it's time to get serious about going inwards and, and start developing self-love because it's something that we've never been taught to develop ever in our life and that's the number one reason why we have a depression and anxiety epidemic going on mm-hmm. would you uh, encourage them to seek outside help absolutely well? i would encourage i them. would encourage them to call the canadian suicidal helpline i would encourage them to reach out to any of those centers there's people there that are loving them and wanting to talk to them and they're there with no judgment there's no shame associated mm-hmm. and it's a safe place for them to call right and i think it's important who they reach out to because some people are going to give you a little bit of pushback. Maybe they're going to say this can't be real. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that you select someone who maybe is experienced with this and someone you trust. I agree with that to a certain extent. Part of the reason why I don't agree with that is because that shouldn't be a thing. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have people that are giving pushback saying like, you can't be thinking those thoughts. Your life is so amazing. Right. Or snap out of it. Yes. That's um, not real. Right. 
Right. That's not real at all. And so I, I, I think everyone should be able to talk to everybody and there should be no pushback associated. It should be like, okay, you're scared and you are coming to me and I don't know what to do. So I'm going to phone the crisis center myself to get guidance from them. Cause that's also a resource that's available. So yeah. I know how to handle my friend or kid or yeah. parent or something. Right. Yeah. Um, my dad passed away in 1998, but he, uh, his side of the family has a lot of people with uh, depression and um, he couldn't relate to it. His attitude was always like, you know, you need to snap out of it. Yeah. Just snap out of it. Yeah. And uh, I guess, should we kind of avoid people like that if we're, if we're feeling depressed or what? Yes and no, because sometimes if you're in a position where that's all you have, mm. then you don't want to avoid that. But right. There should never be a position of not having anything. So yeah, in the, in case don't share your that truth with somebody in that matter, vice versa, pick up the phone and talk to somebody who wants to speak to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you've changed a ton yeah. since you were a teenager. Yeah, lots. Right. Can you think of um, some mentors or some books that helped you change yeah. your way of thinking? Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot. I've really decided to do that in my life that mm -hmm. if I wasn't going to go the school route that I needed to have a real world experience in the form of mentors and coaches and personal development. One of the first biggest books was I am potential with, it's about Patrick Henry Hughes, which is a, a kid who's disabled, but he, his dad was determined to give him a normal life. And he kept encouraging his kid to go and Patrick Henry Hughes became like in the band and he was in a wheelchair and his dad was always there pushing him. So it just showed you that like, and he went on to college to play in the college band it just showed that you could really do anything and mm -hmm. it didn't, if someone with a disability could do it, why couldn't you with someone who's completely able? Right. And I read that book when I was 19 years old and that was really pivotal for me. Nice. Yeah. And how about some books since then? Yeah. Some, I mean, a re recent books, I'm a badass by Jen Sincero is yeah. like for sure. Right. I've got, got the audio book. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. It's so good. She reads the audiobook. Yeah. I'm not sure if you knew that. I, I love audiobooks for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's and the You're a Badass at Making Money, her other book is yeah. really good too. I haven't got that yet. It's is really it good. Worth it? Yeah, it's worth it hundred percent. Because it's about awesome. your money mindset, which a lot of people's is faulty. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we tend to think it's like mathematics. Like if you've got the math correctly, money will just kind of pile up for you. Yeah. But it's really about the way you think about money and think about yourself. Yes. Right? So. Yeah. Can you give us a couple of tidbits from the book without spoiling it? For which one? Um, you're a badass with money. You're a badass at making money? And yeah. Yeah. One of them is that we have no, again, self-love for ourselves. So it's like, I love money because I love to be able to volunteer my time and give back philanthropy, like dollar value. I love money because I love to travel the world with my family and friends. You start to create a love around money. Mm. Um, and that's so important, right? Yeah. Another one would be writing down what your money goals are instead of just saying what they are. Because as humans and being a mindset mentor, what you can see, your brain picks up, it starts to want to make it real mm -hmm. um, so that's a big one and then having a money affirmations like so affirming what you don't have but you what you want so you know I am a financially abundant successful woman those kind of things will right. attract money to you because it changes the, your perception of money right so true affirmations are super powerful mm -hmm. and uh, one of the things I encourage people to do because when you start affirmations you'll get resistance you'll say well that's not true right? I really do suck. So one of the things that's helped me a lot 
is uh, to say I am becoming. Yes. Right? So yeah. I'm in the process. I'm taking action. I'm taking steps. And that is can always be true as long as you want it to be true. Yeah. So it's um, a little easier for me than saying, you know, I have tons of money. and Right? Yeah. But I am becoming an expert in money. Yeah, I am, that's great. Uh, repairing my relationship with money, right? Yeah. I'm getting wiser and more... Um, money conscious every single day and it's true yeah right it is true so it helps it to does just help. say i'm in the process and that's stuff when i say right. to poach people on dialogue those are words that supports your ego in a positive way that yeah. generate positive emotions and inspired actions versus the limiting words that your mm-hmm. ego picks up on and throws you into a negative place right i think a lot of times we've got self-talk going on but we're not even aware of it mm-hmm. is that true absolutely well, that's when it, when you put the two together, that's awareness. Right. That's when people talk about self-awareness. It's when you're like, that thing I've been thinking is is me. Mm-hmm. So that's when it happens. Because a lot of times we'll hear our friends say out loud, oh, I'm so clumsy or I'm so stupid, right? But they don't even realize they're saying it. It's just a habit. Yeah. So how do you break that habit? So first you have to become aware. You have to become aware, yeah. And how do you become aware You become aware because there's resistance in some sort of place in your life and it's repetitive in that way. So maybe it's like, I'm always clumsy and then you're always clumsy all the time. And the next thing you know, you're so frustrated because you're always clumsy. Your inner being is challenging you to look in that area of your life because Mm -hmm. you're saying like, I'm clumsy, but you're not an actual, we're not clumsy beings. Mm -hmm. We create that in our mind and we create those actions. So that's when you're, you check yourself and you're like, I don't like how I'm always clumsy all the time. So then you're like, well, I always say it. So I always am. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's, that's how it is. Right. And a coach like yourself can really help someone to become aware, to see their blind spots. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, do you put them through like an interview process? Yes. Yeah, okay. I make them, I do a two part. I do it on a superficial level at the top where they tell me the answers their ego wants to tell me. And I'm like, okay, this is great. Right. And then I'm like, okay, here's your real survey. And then they'll send me an email and be like, wow, I got a lot deeper on that one. And it's like, yeah, cause you're starting to actually listen. You're developing that self-awareness. Now those questions are triggered to get in there. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So tell us about your perfect client. Who is someone that you love to work with? My perfect client is someone who's ready to level up, someone who's been putting in the personal development or has been trying to get to the next place, but they just can't seem to get there. Mm -hmm. And they're ready to put in the work. They're ready to dive deep and understand that it's not just me saying, like, write these affirmations and set these goals. It's like, let's really dig deep to when you were a childhood and figure out. And it's deep. Like, it's a lot Mm -hmm. of traumatic stuff for people. And then they start to see how it all works together and how it's been on them for 40 or 50 years. And then they can start to move forward. And then it's people who are wanting to really leave a legacy, mm-hmm. writing a book or become like creating a community-based program or community philanthropy work. Those kind of people are the people that I'm working with that can impact more people. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you ever uh, experience resistance with some of your clients? Like where they're like, you know what? Uh, I don't really want to go there. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to think about that. Yeah. Because it's too painful. All the time. And how, how do you pull them through it? I, I, can, I start rewording the question differently mm. in a way that doesn't trigger them. Because I'm like, oh, that triggered them. They didn't like that. So then I'll, I'll say it a different way and they'll, they'll answer it. And then I'll say it again and they'll be like, that's the same question. I'm like, but let's keep going. And then I'll mm. keep asking them. And then finally, they, they release it themselves. Uh, it's not me. Right. And they're like, wow, thanks. They right. can, you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. 
feels like a big relief. Yeah, it's the yeah. weight. It's the concrete wall off your back. It's like, you're like, I can breathe. Thank you. And, right. and you know, like you've been wanting to put work in that area, but you didn't know you had to go so far back into the root problem. Right. And that's where people get stuck. Interesting. So do you think that you're very distinct from other coaches in this field? What makes you unique? I'm owning, I'm, I'm owning my authenticity and my truth and I'm sharing my downfalls and vulnerabilities in mm-hmm. the form of helping people realize that I'm just like you. And a lot of people put up the superficial front and mm-hmm. that's just not me. It's never been me. So I share my truth. I'm like, yo, I'm going through this right now. I'm going through a depressive week. This is how I feel. Mm-hmm. And people relate. They're like, I, I'm going through the same thing. Right. Well, a lot of other coaches don't want to share their pitfalls or their downfalls because they're they're just not ready to own them. They're just not ready. Right. Yeah. And I think it makes it harder to be an effective coach if you don't own your own, you know, Mm -hmm. like if people perceive you as perfect, um, then it's harder to open up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's harder to relate. Yeah. I would love to like maybe um, dive into a little bit around like fear and like where it comes from for people. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, I think when it comes to doing personal work for, for myself, a lot of times um, I'm not even conscious of it, but it's fear. It's like uh, that feels a little bit frightening, so I avoid it. And I think we all tend to do that. We avoid uh, confronting things, you know, with social media, television, just getting distracted we don't want to confront something tell us what you know about fear yeah well fear is a liar and it's not real but fear so one of the things i did do is i actually started studying under buddhist monks because i i went to thailand and i was like just in love with it so i started really researching it and then i found a a local monk to help me out a little bit and Mm -hmm. one of the things he really told me was that fear is really just an opportunity for your inner being to communicate to you that that is the direction you want to go, but you have some contrast in your life. You have some limiting beliefs. You have some stories that are always going to hold you back, which is what is fear. And when fear shows up, it's not meant to make you be afraid. It's a meant to, it's meant to challenge you in the areas that you don't you wouldn't naturally go into normally. Mm-hmm. And so instead of us looking like this fear as a negative thing, it needs to be looked at like a development opportunity for one one's being. Right. And so as much as you're afraid to do something, we're all afraid. As soon as you push through that fear for anybody, once you get to the other side, you're like, oh, what was I doing? Like right. that wasn't a real fear and you're, you get the result you want. But I really want to help people understand that it's just because another area of your life is out of place. Mm-hmm. And that's how your inner being, which is that self-awareness again, communicates to you that that is the proper direction you want to be going. But in order to get there, you have to clean something up. And that's where people are afraid to go. Right. So if I um, have a belief that I'm afraid of public speaking, for example, I need to look at that. Like it's part of myself that's trying to communicate with myself. Yeah. So maybe give us an example. Let's say public speaking. If someone says like, I'm really afraid of public speaking, so I'm going to avoid it. But they want to stop avoiding it, right? What kind of message could they be dealing with there? 
Like what, what might be causing Yeah, that? it's a self-love. It's a lack of confidence, believing mm-hmm. that they're worthy enough to stand on the stage. Worth is a big thing that's never developed as well as much as self-love. It's pretty much the same thing. Right. So if you're trying to public speak and you're afraid, it's not that you're afraid of public speaking. Your inner being is actually ready to because you have the idea to do it. Right. It's that your worthiness is not up to the level it needs to be at. So people are like, I'm not confident. I'm not this. No, it's that you don't believe that you're actually worthy to stand on that stage. Mm-hmm. And that's how all of it's wrapped up. So you have to dive deeper and ask at what point, who told me in my life that I wasn't worthy enough? Right. And the first three times you ask yourself, you'll get some like superficial answer because that's how the ego works. The more you ask yourself that answer around between five and seven times, you'll actually get a different response. Mm-hmm. And that response will be the one you never thought of. And that will be the, what you need to work on. Right. So what if you concluded was a school teacher or a bully at school or your parents even you realize, holy crap, that's why I'm feeling afraid of this, uh, then, then what? Then you ask the question, do I actually believe this to be true? Now that you've identified what, where it actually came from, you didn't have that awareness prior to that. Right. You ask it, do I believe that to be true? Yeah. And the answer is no, because you're like, oh, it wasn't me that actually said it. It was this individual. As a grown adult, you start to see that, right? Right, right. And what if, what if there's a part of you that kind of believes it? You're like, yeah, yeah they were they were right because you've got this now for 20 years, right? Yeah, carrying this around. How do you get so you past keep, that? Questions, questions are questions. questions are where everyone is falling short. We don't ask ourselves enough questions for our inner being to give us an answer, which is what you were saying earlier in terms right. of the two different thoughts that we have. Right. We don't question enough of that, allowing that answer. So it's again of like okay, so this young kid said this to me when I was younger or bullied me and this is why I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to be on a stage. Maybe you tried to get on stage when you were like six years old and it, you didn't work out. You had a bad, bad incident. So you keep going through it. Like, how did that person hurt me then? How was I affected by that? In that moment when I was six years old, because we clearly still remember, how did I feel then, right? Oh, I didn't want that feeling again. Okay, but it was instigated by somebody else, an outside influence. Mm-hmm. So you start to piece it all together and bring more awareness to the whole fear, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just now fear. It's like, oh, crap, this is like deep level fear. And this is why, and this is how he hurt me. And you feel it all again, and mm-hmm. then you release it. I see. So you kind of have to go through it a little bit. Yes. And it can be painful. Yes. Right? And you feel a sense of relief. But um, I would say that uh, sometimes I find myself slipping back into old patterns. Mm -hmm. So I go through maybe you call it a cleansing process, uh, self-analysis. And I'm like, okay, that's how that happened. That's not true. I know that's not true. Right? But my thoughts will tend to drift back to that over time. Yep. Maybe if I have a, you know, kind of negative reaction in public or I'm overtired and I find myself going back into those thoughts. So what's the process if you find yourself kind of drifting back? It's the same process. It's a basically just journal. Journaling is exactly that. Journaling isn't where you write like dear diary and like whatever, (laughs) right? It's journaling is questions. And that's exactly the process I just put you through would be a normal journal entry. Right. So when they come back, it's like, okay, that feels fear still here because 
you didn't find the root problem if it's still coming back. I see. And if you found the root problem, it goes away. So if it's coming back, that's an indication for you from your inner being to say, hey, we didn't actually get to the root problem. Yeah. So I'm going to bring it back up again. Uh-huh. So you have to go back to the questions. Right. And your answers will start to be different until finally you get it. And you'll know, right? Like you will feel it. You'll be like, oh, there, it's gone. Right. Yeah. It's Because we're energetic human beings. And yes. so negative energies inside of us and fear is lots of that. So the more that you can release it as an energy and actually, and you're like, oh, that's it. It's energy releasing out of your body. And that's why you feel the sense of relief. Right. So asking oneself questions through journaling, um, affirmations, what are some other ways to kind of move through that you can write a letter of writing a letter to whoever um that individual was that you've identified and maybe it's yourself writing a letter to how you actually would want because we all have these conversations then of like oh i would say this to that kid or that person don't have that conversation in your head because that's where you create this life you don't want to be in you Mm -hmm. need to put it on paper and actually write it on paper because again it's energy it flows from your mind through your hand onto the piece of paper right and if you want to go one step further something i learned from the buddhist monks is you burn it because then it turns into negative energy actually releasing. Right. So it's it's a pretty powerful tactic, but there's lots of things that people don't do. And mm-hmm. affirmations are one of them. Like they're simple stuff. Mm-hmm. Making your own meditations are all simple things that people just don't take the time to do and they're five minutes a day. Right. Tell us uh give us an example of a five minute meditation. What would you do? Not the whole five minutes, but just like an overview of what it's it really depends on what I'm trying to get into. If I want to just if I want to have a creative thought, like I'm trying to create a new program or a course or something, then I'll put on some classical music and mm-hmm. I'll just sit, I'll allow my thoughts to come in release them because it gets all the junk out to begin with. And then it'll quiet down or I'll use a calm, the calm or headspace apps, or I have my mm-hmm. own pre-recorded ones that I do that are my, my affirmations over like a, a Thai music or something. Mm-hmm. And I'll just play that over and over again. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So if someone wants to find out more about you and your programs, how do they get in touch? You can find me on Facebook or Instagram at I am Danielle Grant on uh, Twitter, Mindset Society, LinkedIn, Danielle Grant, or my website at yourmindsetmentor.com. That's great. We'll put the links in the show notes. So that's awesome. And uh, Danielle, who would you like to nominate to come on the show in the future? Someone in Kelowna or who has a connection. So yesterday, for example, um, Shane Austin told me I need to talk to this guy, uh, Ted Trent, and he's a book author. He's never lived in Kelowna, but he travels here and vacations here yeah. all the time because he finds it inspirational. Yes. Right? So he's allowed to come on the show because he's connected to Kelowna in some way. So is there anyone off the top of your head in the city or who has a strong connection to the city? I mean, one person I would like, if this, this is a community-based one, would be Matt August. Great. Yeah, Matt August would be one I and would nominate. Tell us a little bit about Matt. He, um, the August family owns Mazda August, or Mazda Motors, and as well as August Custom, but they have done, Matt has personally grown so much as an individual and has done a lot of philanthropy work in the Okanagan as a young, inspiring individual who took over his parents' thriving business and has just turned it into this even better thing. It, I think is just really inspirational for people to see here in the community. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Luke Mankus is a realtor. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011, and he always says, yeah, one regret. 
and that is, he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273 to chat with Luke about real estate.